This is the Brew World Order Podcast. Welcome to the Brew World Order Podcast. My name is Mike Curtin. If you haven't subscribed yet, you should do it. It's free. And also, it's free. This is episode number 29. In this episode, I sit down with Garrett Hickey of Streetside Brewery in Cincinnati, Ohio. Garrett talks to me about how Streetside has truly been a family-oriented business from the very beginning. How he chose his schooling to learn how to brew and how dealing with a city issue almost caused a hiccup in opening in the area that he wanted to. But failure was not an option for Garrett, so he worked hard, and in the end it all paid off for him and his brewery. So instead of sitting back and relaxing while listening to this episode, maybe you'll be motivated to make some power moves while listening, courtesy of Garrett himself. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey guys, I'm Mike Curtin. This is the Brew World Order podcast, and today I'm with Garrett Hickey of Streetside Brewery in Cincinnati, Ohio. Garrett Hickey started, like most brewers, home brewing. When he wasn't working as an accountant executive for a double-A baseball team, him and his dad started having competitions of who could brew a better beer. Around that time, the craft beer market had really started to take off. So with that in mind, Garrett left his full-time job and volunteered at Mad Tree Brewing on the canning line, where he was prepping to go to school at Brew Lab in Sutherland, England. After he graduated, he came home and worked as a shift brewer at Rivertown Brewing, as well as volunteering around Ohio and U.S. at various breweries. After a year and a half of honing in on his craft, the Hickey family, which included Garrett's mother and father, Kathy and Brian, decided to open their own place. The Hickey family opened their doors to the public in October of 2016 at Streetside Brewery. And Garrett's here with me today. Garrett, thank you for joining me, man. Appreciate it. Yep, no problem. Just a quick question. I know there's a lot of uh, places to learn, uh, you know, as far as your education goes. What made you choose Brew Lab over the other schools here in the States? One of the big things for me was when I was looking for brewing schools, it's a little less, like, rigorous than college because you're just kind of picking from the places that are out there there's no like real application process um, at least the places i was looking and uh the big thing for me was looking for a place that i could do hands-on practical brewing and one of the things that i found was there are a bunch of schools in the u.s and they're all great but the for the most part they are all theoretical right and you're doing online work or maybe you're taking a class in like at the school but you you don't get to brew uh, you have to like go to their like secondary school to to do the brewing, or maybe you don't even. They, there's not even that option. Right. So when I was looking, I really wanted I really wanted to focus on trying to find something that I could do practical brewing at. I found Brew Lab. Um, I did a little bit of research. I talked to a couple people around the states that had taken classes there, and they were all very complimentary of it. And so from there, basically, I just was like, all right, cool. Like this is, seems like a good opportunity. It's a nice opportunity for me to, to expand my horizons and go to, I'd, uh, I'd never been to England before. Kind of gave me the opportunity to knock out a couple, couple birds with one stone right. where right. I was doing brewing school. I was able to travel. I was able to go and visit breweries around Europe without having to worry about like really doing anything besides schoolwork and that. And I was able to meet 12 interesting, uh, interesting guys that I still, for the most part, talk to. So. It's kind of like a, a nice little, maybe a summer semester at a, at a U.S. college jammed into a couple months. Gotcha. So I know, I mean, the moment you decided to go to school, you probably had in mind that you wanted to open a brewery. What was that like aha moment for you where it finally hit where you're like, 
I want to open a brewery. I want to do this. For me, it was uh, I I did not brew enough homebrew batches before I like decided to jump in, but. I took a, a short little like weekend away from uh, the baseball team I was working at over the summer. Went to my alumni weekend at University of Dayton, and my parents were. It was also one of their. I think I can't remember what anniversary year it was for them or reunion weekend it was for them. But we're sitting there, we're talking. Uh, we'd had a couple drinks, and I was like, "Well, why don't we do this?" Like we think my dad and I both thought we were pretty good brewers. I was like, "Why don't we just do this? Jump in. I will go back." Put in my two weeks notice, um, and then like let's jump in, let's get this, let's get this going. I think I think we're good at what we're doing. I think we can probably put together a pretty good business plan. Uh, we talked to a bunch of people around town, and basically after that weekend, five days later, I literally went in to my boss's office and was like, "Hey man, here's here's what we're doing." And it was definitely a surprise to them, but yeah, I put in two three week notice, and three weeks later, I was home home in Cincinnati and. Started talking to some of the brewers around town, uh, got hooked up with the guys at Mad Tree, started volunteering there. Uh, and then at night, I'd work at a bar close to, close to my parents' house. And I was barbacking there at night and working on the canning line during the day and uh, trying to learn all aspects of the industry, whether it was tap room or packaging. Right. And then did that for a couple months and then went to school. Yeah, surrounding yourself with the beer industry. Nice. Yeah, exactly. So during that process of of opening the brewery from like the start uh, when you came back and you know, you were working around and you decided like, Hey, we're going to open a brewery with, with your family Um, from the start to the moment you opened the doors. What do you think was the most challenging part for you? There are a couple uh, big things. One of the, one of the hardest things for us was the city wanted us to like, we when we're going through the process or the process of permitting and all that, we found out that uh, some of the fire hydrants around the, around the brewery that were close but not super close but uh the fire department would have relied on them would rely on them if there was a fire weren't fully pressurized okay uh and the city wanted us to replace a water main to fully pressurize two fire hydrants that were further down the street than were actually necessary there's one actually about 50 feet from the corner of the brewery but it was too far from the back of the brewery so they wanted us to replace the water main to these other fire hydrants. And it was our argument that replacing infrastructure isn't really the job of the business that's going right. in that hasn't yeah. been opened yet. So we had we had issues getting that done. We got the permitting department, we got the, the fire department. We all sat down and we all kind of circled fire hydrants and then had them uh, the city went out and tested them and tested everything and it ended up that we had there are like four fire hydrants within an acceptable distance for the fire department so the fire department was like we're good and then the city really didn't have any any objections after the fire department said that they had no issues with the proximity of the other four fire hydrants <laughs> so we had lots of fire hydrants around us and most of them worked so that's great uh, so that was one that was a. Uh, it was also just like weather-wise, it was a rough. It was a rough spring. Uh, it was very cold and then very wet. So right. weather-wise, we were we were held up probably longer than we wanted to. But those two are, were the biggest things for us. That that because we built from the ground up, which not a ton of places in Cincinnati had ever done. We were kind of working with a new, completely new thing, building-wise, and then also like just the permitting. We were we weren't in the first wave of breweries, but maybe second, second and a half wave 
so the city was still getting used to breweries applying for permits and all that. So that was interest. Those were the two most interesting things for us, right? And difficult for sure. Yeah, as a firefighter myself, I know the importance of a you know a good pressurized hydrant. Yeah. But to have yeah. you, to have you guys and not the city do it is kind of bizarre right. to me. But... Absolutely. I mean, it was had that been like had the city made us do it, we probably would not be in the building that we are currently in. So right. Which would have been a bummer because this is our neighborhood and we wanted to, I mean, from day one, the goal was to be in the neighborhood that we live in. Right. So. Yeah, I'm sure that would have been very costly. And, and, yeah, and, for sure. And for speaking sure. of, um, how did you go about funding, uh, finding the capital to fund your business? So everything at Streetside is either like a standard traditional, like small business loan or it was funded uh, from family and friends. So we, we took out a loan. Um, we had family give us money with, as like in, in loan terms. And, um, we had some money set aside part of my college fund and money that my parents had saved up went to, I bought the cooler, the walk-in cooler, okay. at least the initial one. It's been expanded a couple times now, but yeah, so that was, that was one of the things I think, yeah, my college fund went to draft and cooler and then my parents did some other stuff and then the, the small business loan took care of the building itself and then uh, family helped us with uh, with equipment. It's very much like when you when you talk about street side, it's very much like a family owned thing. Right, yeah, for uh, sure. Whole extended family and everybody that wants to be involved with street side is pretty much involved. So. Right. I'm sure everybody was very excited to hear that you guys were making that move to open the business. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so what was something you never thought you were going to have to deal with in this industry? I know, you know, you did work at a lot of breweries, but was there anything that you, when you finally opened your own, that you were like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, like, this whole year has been one of those things that I never expected. Like, I expected right. up and down years and, and, and just different things affecting like how how willing people would be to come to the brewery, but uh, I never expected a, a global pandemic right. in our fourth year. Uh, so that would be one. But I, honestly, like one of the big things is um, this year the supply chain has been very wonky. So we we canned a ton this year. Almost every batch that's gone through the the fermenters right. um, this year has been has been canned since basically the beginning of March. Um, but with that, everybody's doing that, and the aluminum can supply it hit a real a real low about three four weeks ago. We were having huge amounts of issues trying to get cans to the brewery. I, I never expected that. I mean, it was the places I worked. We didn't really have issues of of supply. We just I as a shift brewer, you just told somebody we were at something and it got ordered. I never even had to think about how to get grain or whatever. Uh, but yeah, supply chain issues are, are definitely one of those things I never thought I'd ever have to, uh, have to worry about. You think whatever yeast is easy to, yeast is easy to get, grains easy to get. Um, like every once in a while stuff will, stuff will run out. Like one of the, whatever you order from Byerman and they're like, Oh, we're out of, we're out of extra pale Pilsner, but we've got normal Pilsner. Right. Not a big deal. Like, we'll just swap out for this batch and then we'll swap back the next batch and it, it won't be that big of a deal. But when, uh, I mean, our main yeast supplier shut down for about a month and trying to source, I mean, we, we've sourced yeast from most of the, most of the big companies 
and even a lot of smaller ones around the U.S. But when your main guy shuts down, it was a, a rough adjustment for us. Luckily, it was right at the beginning, and we kind of thought that this the shutdown would be short, which it really wasn't and still isn't. Uh, but right. we, we brewed a, a bunch of stouts and barley wines that we had yeast for already during that time. So we kind of weathered that yeast, lack of uh, yeast, a little bit better than we did with aluminum cans. The aluminum cans were a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, a lot of hoping and begging and asking that we could get some cans and it ended up being relatively okay it wasn't it wasn't perfect by any means but we got we got it all figured out like i've I've spoken to everybody about the whole covid situation and uh they pretty much saying that they had to make that switch real quick to go to cans because i mean everybody's getting that to go you know so like even crowlers i know people were having trouble with that as well yeah crowlers were a big one uh it was lucky timing for us we just gotten a big pallet and then once the crowler demand uh slowed down we were able to order we were like had just almost run out of the pallet that we had bought and we're able to uh get the the next order of of crowlers pretty easily and pretty quickly right so what do you think uh some of the qualities you have that make you a good business owner i mean for me it's kind of it's kind of a funny thing to admit, I guess. But like one of the big things was once I started telling people, like when I thought that we wouldn't open for a very brief, short time, right when the permitting was going roughly, I was scared. I was like the embarrassment that I was feeling that I was going to have to tell people that like we weren't going to open February, and that I'd quit this job and done all this work, and I was just going to go back to being a shift brewer somewhere. I wasn't I like maybe even leave the industry. Right. I was so horribly embarrassed by it that it like drove me to like get everything done and like start researching other locations and all sorts of stuff. So like, I don't know if that's a good quality, but like just the sheer amount of embarrassment that I can feel, I guess makes me a good business owner. Cause I do like failing for me is just like, not, it's just not an option. Right. It's, it's one of those things where like, it would just devastate me. I wouldn't be able to show my face in public for years if this place didn't do well. But I mean, I guess that's that's one of the things is like you got to get your motivation from somewhere. And like I really, really try to make street side as, as best I can um, in all aspects. And that's one of those things. I guess it's just like a drive that like most people have. Small business owners definitely have like a, a different type of drive and determination just because like you have to. It's hard opening a small business and whether you're doing anything it's difficult but there's just a certain level of drive and determination and just willingness to just do whatever it takes to get everything done because like i mean the first year even i mean first three years we didn't we're here every day i mean literally every day long hours like anything goes wrong we're the first ones to get called it's one of those things that like you kind of decide that you're just going to like give up on uh, having a real social life or being able to have other interests yeah right uh for our first couple of years and just decide that like your interest is going to be keeping your business going. And that was, that was what we were doing. We've started to, we started to be able to go on vacation and such. I finally picked up my first hobby since we opened, um, which isn't really a, even a hobby. I just started like doing home fermentation. So it's kind of just an extension of what I do here, but okay. she's been busy. Uh, and then, I mean, my parents have been, went on their first vacation since we opened first week long vacation, I should say just last week so i mean we're doing we're doing well enough that we're we're starting to pick up hobbies and go on vacation so that's always nice. a good sign yeah i mean mental break mental break is very important from it all oh yeah, yeah. for sure 
So instead, and let's instead of saying that one of the qualities that you have that makes you a great business owner is a uh, fear of embarrassment. How about we say the ability to quickly pivot to make your your business there. come to life? There you go. That's a that's a better way of saying it. Yes. <laughs> who so? Who would you? I know you you've like you said you've worked at a lot of breweries. I'm sure you've met tons of people um, in the brewing industry. Who would you say has inspired you the most? That is an interesting question. Lately, it's some of my good buddies, uh, I would say, in the industry are the guys down at Southern Grist. Uh, I met them last year, I guess, at CBC, and we kind of just, like, chatted, and then um, I saw them again at um, the 450 North uh, Corn Maze Festival. I kept in contact with them. I, like, I went down and visited them and just kind of, like, hung out with the guys and um, drank some beers. I saw them again at 450 North, and then whatever and then we went down to the anniversary festival they're doing great stuff down there they're um the wide variety of of beer that they do from barrel-aged beer to not barrel-aged stouts to to new england's to pilsners i mean the their variety is incredible um and i encourage anyone who hasn't been to nashville to go out and check them out uh, they're doing some great stuff down there i mean the breweries down there are great uh, but those guys and uh, Beard Iris and um, Yazoo are doing some great stuff. So that's they're turning into a nice little beer destination town for sure. Right. But I mean, early on, so the baseball team I worked for was in Erie, Pennsylvania. And I would go to Voodoo in Meadville a lot, like when they were first, like first opened. Okay. Uh, that was kind of that was pretty eye opening. I hadn't really experienced craft beer quite like that. Um, I've been, I mean, I've been drinking craft beer for a while or craft e beer. I guess I should say. Okay. So they were pretty inspiring to, to start out. And I mean, honestly, the guys, first guys in town were pretty inspiring. There's, there are three places, four places in Cincinnati, Mad Tree, where I worked, um, Ryan guys, which is in the top 50 largest breweries in the U S now They're I mean, they were huge kind of show me like what crazy good IPA could taste like. There's a brewery that was right down the street from blanks or from streets. I called blank slate. Um, he was, doing some wild stuff, a lot of food-inspired beers that were kind of, we've taken, we haven't taken the idea, but like we, a lot of, we do a lot of food-type beers, I guess. I don't even know what to say. Like, uh, whenever we do like a pastry stuff, we try to tie it to a particular dessert that right. we just released. A, okay. Uh, or like a, a sweet-type thing. So we just did a, we released a cinnamon whiskey uh, barrel-aged stout Wow, uh, and then we put um, horchata spices in it, and that was kind of like whenever we do that kind of stuff, it's it's always cool to try to pull inspiration from food. So yeah. that that he definitely um, inspired me to kind of think about beer that way, as opposed to just beer being beer. One of the things is like I've traveled all over the place, and everywhere we go, uh, the wife and I, we always go to breweries. There's it's very rare that we don't. So there's plenty of places out there that I haven't named that have. I've pulled an idea from or pulled a concept from or liked how their merchandise looked. And that's why we have certain types of merchandise or all sorts of stuff, dude. I pull, try anywhere I go, try to pull some inspiration from it. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way whenever I travel. I, I always make sure to find a brewery in the area. Um, so have you had a, a moment where it kind of just hit you, like a, a moment of success? Yeah, I mean, kind of. It's, it's kind of like a maybe not a daily thing, but like every once in a while I'll sit back and be like, man, this place has really come a, a long way from where we were and like right. 
just to start with like our our even our wildest dreams i don't think that we ever plan to like i mean we're can every beer we didn't ever plan on having a canning line we have we've grown we've gotten larger tanks we've added new tanks doing crazy barrel aged beers like all this stuff like i had never really thought about i guess it kind of makes it sound like i didn't have a plan when we first started but like right. <laughs> the way what i thought about like when we first opened was like i just want to be like a neighborhood spot we don't need to make a ton of beer we just need to make beer that people like and and make some money and and keep the business afloat and we don't need to be making tons of beer and tons of money and we're still not making tons of money but we're we're open and people really like us and uh we've won some awards and got employees that are gainfully employed and doing well so the answer the standard answer is like i feel fairly blessed that we've been able to do what we do but we worked hard and it's it's paid off for the most part right the vision has come to life and yep for sure so it evolved and it, it changed and evolution of street side has been part of will success for sure right what was your uh gateway beer into the craft beer world there are a couple but when i was in college i worked at a restaurant close to my parents house the restaurant was called arthur's and they were kind of like one of the original restaurants in town that had like a, a pretty good uh, craft beer selection i worked there like when nugget nectar came out and nugget nectar oh, was nugget like nectar. a real eye opener for me right um, i never really had i never really had anything that was like dry hopped and and Whirlpool and all that stuff. It was just like, it was a, an eye opening experience, like what an IPA could be. I'd never really had an IPA before that. Um, I also drank a ton of Newcastle Brown Ale. Okay. Which, looking back, is like, it's not that great. I mean, at the time when I wasn't really drinking any craft beer, I mean, in college, I really didn't even drink beer. I was more of a, a whiskey guy. Right. So just to have those two beers. And then once I started to kind of experience more craft beer, I started seeking out a lot of. Uh, Great Lake stuff, Southern Tier, because they were right. They just started to get, really get distributed. And when I, uh, I remember having Christmas Ale for the first time and Pumpkin for the first time, those were big ones. Yeah, I um, actually, I actually just picked up some Warlock in my in my fridge. Yeah, right now. there you go. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely one of those things where I mean, those beers definitely, for the most part, you never tasted anything that could taste like a pumpkin pie. Right. In a beer. Yeah. Now I don't, I don't love that. I don't love that beer anymore. But uh, of it was course. definitely one of those things where like. I had never had a like a pumpkin beer that tasted like that. And I'd never had a Christmas ale that had all these spices and and just was this, I mean, huge deal in in Ohio. And you just kind of got to see like what what beer could do. And then from there, it just kind of exploded. I mean, my my last year in college, we were basically only drinking craft beer, drinking a ton of Sam Adams, drinking a bunch of Great Lakes, trying to branch out all of our taste buds. And even to this day, a lot of my buddies are still in, like, are still pretty big craft guys. Whereas I don't know that we would have been. Well, they probably would have been now, but we started pretty early on in the in the whole thing. We graduated in 2012, so we were not maybe not the earliest adapters, but we were definitely the only people at school drinking craft beer at, at college parties. Right. <laughs> so, if somebody came to you, which I'm sure they do often. Uh, asked you for advice about opening their own place, what would you tell them? Um, I mean, my go-to line is to try and get in the industry any way you can. Had I not done that, I don't know that I'd be, I would have been as prepared as I needed to be uh, to open a brewery. I think one of the, honestly, one of the most important things I did was bartend because it's important to like know how to 
Like if you're if you're the owner of a brewery, you need to be able to work in the tap room, and the only way you're going to be able to do that is to know how to bartend before. Because like there's times where you don't really want to hang out with the customer, but you got to know how to put on that brave that maybe out of that brave face, but that right. customer service face, and just kind of like hang out and talk to him and of course, talk yeah. to him or her, and just kind of like get through it. But yeah. Uh, it was definitely important to work at, I worked at a restaurant as a server. I worked at a bar restaurant as a bar back. And then I worked at another uh, craft beer bar as a server or as a bartender. And those were definitely important to just to figure out how to work in customer service. Cause that's, that is not what I'm naturally inclined to, but that was, I was something I had to figure out and get good at because if you, if you don't have a inviting atmosphere in your tap room, you're dead. So of course. Yeah. You want to feel like you're at home. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, did you happen to have a funny story for us? It's a little gross, but it was, uh, so my first week of cellaring at Rivertown, I was working underneath a tank and I was unclogging a drain or something. I can't remember what it was. But, okay. So I'm working underneath the tank and somebody called my name and I wasn't really like being monitored all that closely. I stood up. And I hit my head on a CIP arm. And I was like, wow, that really, really hurt. And it really hurt. I just kind of like ran out from out underneath the tank. And I was like, God, that hurts like hell. And I'm like holding my head. And I like pull my hand away. And I have so much blood all over my hand. (laughs) So I run out to the bottling line. And I'm like, can someone get RGM for me? And I'm just like holding my head. So I like run back outside. I sit down like on a chair. Okay. They came, all the guys on the bottom like came outside. To, they shut down the bottom line, came out to see, and they're like, "Holy shit, you are bleeding uh, really badly." So they wrapped my head like a mummy. The accountant put me in her personal car, took me to the hospital, and we get to the hospital, and they they had to put twelve staples in my head. Jesus. The, yeah, I had wow. a. I had a. Uh, pretty extensive I still do have a pretty extensive scar on my head wow and it was a yeah it was a rough day rough first week of of uh cellaring the things you do for brewing yeah exactly (laughs) battle scars wow that's insane pretty crazy yeah so I have a little thing called quick fire five just five quick questions um beer related uh ready yep let's do it uh, one of street size beers that you would recommend someone try? Two. I'll just do my two personal favorites. Okay. We have a, a plum goza called Ghost Face Killer. That's okay. my favorite. Nice. Uh, kettle sour we do. Like the name. And then, and then <laughs> my personal favorite favorite New England is hashtag blessed, and that is a New England with Citra and Vic Secret. That is that's. Mm. I don't drink New England's a whole lot, but that's definitely that's my favorite of all the ones that we do. All right. And uh, favorite brewery other than your own? Like I said, Big Southern Grist guy. Uh, okay. And then I'll do in Ohio. I'm going to go I'm gonna go U.S. and I'm going to go Ohio. Um, okay. And then uh, I have buddies in a, in a brewery up in Columbus called Pretentious, and they do fantastic sours. And so okay. they're going to be my Ohio one. Okay. And uh, favorite style of beer? Barrel aged sour, like a like a blonde sour blonde, is probably my favorite to just like drink. And then, but like fruit kettle sour is like what I drink pretty regularly. 
Alright. How about this one? Barrel aged, imperial, or both? Both, for sure. Both. Alright. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and <laughs> you have one keg of beer to hold you over for a two week quarantine. What beer are you choosing? My own or Whichever you think would, would be the best during a two week quarantine. I would have to say maybe Pivo Pills. Pivo Pills? Okay. Give me yeah, give me Firestone. That's right. Give me almost any a good pills there for sure. Okay. Would it would get me through uh, two weeks of just being in the house by myself? If it's one of our beers, it's definitely gonna be that Ghostface Killer. Right. Okay. Well, Garrett, that's all I have for you, man. I cool. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was good. It was great talking to you. Yeah, definitely. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order podcast with Garrett Hickey from Streetside Brewery. Thanks, man. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Garrett Hickey of Streetside Brewery in Cincinnati, Ohio. Whether you're passing through, live in the area, or just visiting a friend nearby, you should definitely check him out. Also, you should give him a follow on social media. Every other Sunday, I'll be releasing a new episode, so subscribe, and you'll never miss one. Also, be sure to check us out on social media, because it's just the right thing to do. I'm Mike Curtin for the Brew World Order Podcast. You stay safe out there.